<laughs> yeah, when they eventually like make it homogenized enough to put uh, it on SNL. I, so yeah. let's begin. Uh, um, so so we're recording. Are we gonna like attention duelists? Thank you for coming to draw. I mean, it's fine. I, you can just you can just like ju- like talk over so me. It's sense. fine. Yeah, this is the oh, Draw yeah. Sense podcast, and I mean, it's fine that you just, you know, you start it without me, <laughs> and then, you, you you know, I was about to start it, and you, but it's fine, it's fine, I'm over it okay, already. Do you, um, no, no, you're not over it, so who's doing it? I'm over Why it. Why don't you just do it together? Look, look, look it's already we, been done, you've already two, taken nope, it away from me, nope, nope, we can't redo it. Nope. The podcast is already going. I see the sound waves. It's it's literally it's literally already going. Look, that's too much effort. It's a bit too much effort. We're already here, and this could even possibly be a bit on my part. So, like, because it's possibly a bit on my part, we should probably just keep going. Look, I'm not going to go along with this. It's already started. See that's dead air. One, you just left dead air. I let I left two, that to you, and now the viewers, our listeners, have left because of that dead air. Three. Attention, attention, duelist, and welcome to the Draw Sense podcast, where we don't oh talk over each god. other. Oh my fucking god! So, <laughs> so, uh, to, uh, this week's today's, I don't know, one of the two, uh, the news are uh, in duelics. So we have um, some leaked cards. They're labeled as NPC cards. So we're assuming that we're not going to get them um, as players, but we've seen NPC only cards in the past become player available cards, usually in events, sometimes in boxes. Uh, Yeah, I'm heavily uh ner- ner- notified on this subject um that's a mixture of nerd and notified if if in case you didn't recognize so um they're all exceeds monsters and and one of them is is a bit recognizable to anyone who's a little a bit of a tcg uh veteran um, it's a rank five that was at one stage exclusively a YCS reward. Um, so it was very expensive. It was like hundreds of dollars for this single card. Um, it's a, its name, uh, is unpronounceable word followed by comma, followed by king of heavy industry. Uh, it's, a earth rank five it requires three level five monsters uh and its effect reads once per turn you can detach one material from this card then send the top three cards of your opponent's deck to the graveyard then if any monsters were sent by that effect destroy cards your opponent controls up to the monsters sent uh and it has 3200 attack 2000 defense um what what are your initial thoughts on hearing that effect me? No, the microphone attached to <laughs> attached to me. Yes, you. You may speak. Oh, hello there. I'm finally allowed to speak because apparently I look, steal people's thunder. Look, I needed to take a breath. I, I needed to take a breath, and so that's your room to speak. So, 
please Shh, do you have to speak because i'm gonna take over the whole podcast do you, anyway do you have so any thoughts my thoughts is that clearly they are trying to obviously put out more support for xyz's they're trying to push that mechanic um summoning mechanic um i mean i i'm hoping to get into this a little bit later on in the podcast but um dual links in general um promoting and also incentivizing people to use more modern um some of the mechanics i think is the way that konami is trying to like fix the way that they did it in the card game but more on that later um i mean i think it's good you know objectively um as a person who unlike um my other fellow podcaster here um actually kind of more learned the card game via dual links as opposed to in real life because by the time I had joined the game um it was not really flourishing the dual ring in real life scene as well, much you were um, you were a, uh like a like a uh to put it in context you're like a like a like a baby Yu-Gi-Oh player that was introduced via Duel Links roughly around the time of its release whereas I have been just about exactly about when it released yeah because that was when I was just getting into Yu-Gi-Oh for context um though I am of the age that would have been playing the card game um growing up was not really how things had turned out um, okay boomer hmm. I'm actually older than a podcaster here but um due to my like you know upbringing and everything wasn't really available to me until my later years so um so actually i'm kind of experiencing this all more for the first time as things are being released via dual link so we have different perspectives here um as opposed to like the veteran player versus like veteran casual which is me so yeah uh, and so me seeing it this way it kind of doesn't mean much um to me knowing about the in real life card game because i don't especially today's you know with the pandemic um don't really have a lot of chances to experience playing in real life um well i can i can put a bit of context for this card so at the time that it came out there weren't a lot of good rank 5 Xyz monsters that had somewhat loose requirements. So like a lot of the good rank 5s were like the the, the really good like worth actually um, uh, making an attempt to like build a deck around were like things like that needed like specific attributes or in some cases specific like archetypes this was like a step above the few good uh generic rank fives um except for the fact that it's three materials but what put it uh past the other generic rank fives that were out at the time was the fact that it has a larger amount of attack because the other ones that were out at the time which we have in dual links at the moment uh but i get their names confused so i won't even bother um they were both like 25 and 2600 respectively and they were all right they did what they do 
alright, but you wouldn't build a deck around them. They were things that you'd play uh, in the event that you could make them. Whereas this card, you would put it in a deck that was already um, heavily invested in making rank 5s on the off chance you could use it um, in certain scenarios. And because of that, it and the fact that it was a YCS exclusive card, it was worth hundreds of dollars. But mm-hmm. it didn't take too long for something better to come out. Um, and so also, my more specifically, rank fives are not super common in terms of like deck building strategies outside of very specific monsters. And so, generally speaking, the generic rank fives don't see a lot of attention. Um, so, so I guess that my thoughts on this then are, like, what is the foil rarity? I mean, the um, the rarity going to uh, be when they drop it, this card, and is it going to be like an event exclusive card? Well, all of these cards is it going to be in a structure deck? Like, all of these cards are currently listed as um, they're all currently listed as U URs. Um, and they're also listed as NPC cards. So as far as we all are aware at the moment, they'll only be used by some sort of NPCs, most likely in events or even possibly upcoming like um, standard duelist updates, uh, but most likely events. Um, but uh, there have been times where Konami have uh, entered the cards into the game's code under NPC cards and then later changed them to something else um as well as the rarities as well they generally just like put them at whatever and then when they're ready to give them to the players they will change the rarities closer to that date um so at the moment though they seem unavailable and at the ur um rarity so yeah, I guess it'd be a good guess to say that they're probably going to be appearing in some sort of event in the yeah. future. Um, and you said they were Earth-type, right? Uh, the first so, one, yes. Um, the first one is Earth-type. and then Earth I'd Machine. Probably, I mean, if they're all XBs, then it's probably going to be, you know, a, a, um, a Zexel event of I'm, some sort maybe yeah. a new character. Um, it's or possible they might even um, general event yeah, there's a few different. Um, the thing is, is that um, Zexel right now, so I wouldn't be shocked. The thing is, is a couple of these cards, and I'll, I'll bring it up when it is these cards are related to the anime, and then this mm-hmm. first one I talked about, as well as one other card, uh, are not. At least as far as my memory goes, I know this one definitely is not related to the anime, and the other one, as far as I remember, isn't related to the anime. Um, so it's possible that they will be a part of events where NPCs use those cards that have nothing to do with the anime. Um, whereas the other two, uh, and I'll explain why when we talk about them, uh, are more likely to be with an anime-focused either deck or event uh, purely because of their somewhat loose connection to the anime. Um so we'll talk about one of them now, which is number 87, Queen of the Night. Now, the number cards are very... And I know you haven't seen Zexel, so the general plotline of Zexel is um, Astral yeah, is like... 
how, what, what do you know about the numbers so I don't have to explain What's more than I need to. engineering school? I know plenty uh, uh, about numbers, bitch. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> Zexal numbers, thank you very much. Well, if we're getting that. Number, so number exceeds monsters. And, um, pink hair need to get <laughs> their numbers back. So, I know that much, and it's kind of very, like, it's it's very much like the um it's very much like the pokemon slogan uh gotta catch them all because they actually yeah, have to get they have to get all the numbers um i don't i don't know what that um anyway it's basically the same thing uh, yeah, where it's uh, like at the beginning oh my okay goodness, i want to stall my cards I need to go find them and tame them. Well, anyway... I can put the world in order again. It's the same damn shit. Uh, yeah, okay, but, like, sure. You know, the twist is that... And they even got, like, a little side counterpart. It's a very magical girl, except Pink Hair is not a magical girl. Um, he's a magical boy. I was gonna so, say, he, um, he, he's a magical boy that also becomes a... Um, he becomes a very clearly shonen character by the end. I don't know. He seems very no, no, no. Non-binary. He, he, ha- he has he has a very um, uh, Super Saiyan situation and like Super Saiyan two situation what? even. Yeah, you know. Seriously, doesn't. Zexel is worth watching, hundred percent. So anyway, know. that sounds like it makes it less worth watching. But it's definitely he worth seems watching. Very cinnamon roll ish, but oh well. He, he's he's a lovable dog. Um. Anyway, so number eighty-seven, Queen of the Night. It's a water rank eight plant. It requires three level eight monsters. Uh. So its effect is once per turn, during either player's turn, you can detach one material, then activate one of these effects. And there's three different effects you can activate. So you can either act. Actually, it sounds like it'd work well with a blue eyes deck. Yeah, I mean that's blue eyes is kind of the only really level eight spammy deck at the moment. Um, so yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah. I, that's that's what immediately comes to mind. Yeah. is like oh, this is something that'd be good to stack well, an extra deck for a blue eyes deck. It depends on if its effects useful or not for blue eyes. So I'll go yeah. through the different options you have. So. You can either target one set spell or trap card your opponent controls. And while this card is face up on the field, that set card could not be activated. Uh, The second effect is target one plant type monster on the field. Uh, That includes itself. Change that target to face down defense position. Its third effect is target one face up monster on the field. That target gains 300 attack. Um, And this card has 3200 attack, 2800 defense. It's kind of not really good for three level eight monsters. It's kind of it, it's uh it's kind of air. It's not re- so like the best effect it has outside of like a plant dedicated deck would be the first one, which targets a set spell or trap, and your opponent can't uh use it while this monster is face up. The problem with that is is they can just chain it to this effect. Uh, and also one of the other more problematic, um, like one of the, all of the popular trap cards can either be chained to this effect or is like something like, um, endless trap hole that they activate when you summon it. 
That's the right trap hole, isn't it? Oh, there's too many of them. No, endless trap hell is a. It, that's a um skill. What's that the trap? Has. Yeah. Okay. Uh there's too many. Endless trap hole is a real. Every time that he um activates a floodgate. His side of the field. Yeah. No. Yeah, floodgate. Um, because I'm telling okay, you. And also, um, uh, I believe. Well. No. Yeah. Trap hole. Um. It's like, you know, when you flip it down and you can't be flipped up again. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so flood... So that one... Floodgate trap hole. Also, um... What, dimensional prison. No, well, what, no... Dimensional no. prison is, in general, if it attacks. Yeah, so, like, you know, uh, this card would... A lot of this card attack. would be able to stop a dimensional prison because if you target the card that was a dimensional prison, you can't just activate your dimensional prison, right? But if you target, um, so if you summon this and your opponent has an endless, uh, sorry, uh, floodgate trap hole, then, well, they just floodgate this monster, right? Um, other popular face down cards would be like Karma Cut, so they can just chain Karma Cut, so it doesn't matter that you tried to stop them from using it. Same with or, Fiendish um, Chain. The Protozoa, um, oh, Paleozoic, um, Paleozoic. Uh, Canada, um, that yeah. as well. They can just chain it. Most of the, like the heavily used face down cards would be chainable to this. The exceptions would be like something like if someone sets a cosmic cyclone and you don't have any spell or traps. That would be the only exception really that I can think of of a card that is played frequently. What about frequently. wild tornado? Um, it's not. It's not in the list of um, popular cards, so I tend to not think about it, if that makes any sense. So, like, the yeah, way I go about... The way I go about deck building is if I'm... Or, or evaluating a card's, like, playability, is I look at what is in uh, being played frequently um, in the popular cards, like, section in the deck builder, and look at the card that I'm trying to evaluate and say, okay, what does this stack up to the popularly used cards? Because, like, there's going to be, like, less frequently used cards, such as, like, you know, um, uh, Dimensional Prison. That doesn't pop up on the popular cards list, but it is a devastating card. So, yeah. uh, it will... There will be times when, like, you don't think about a card like that because you're more worried about what is a higher percentage of decks doing? So my brain is mostly focused on those cards. So is there any other news related to like, there, you know... There are two more Xyz monsters and then we've got a few skills um, along with some mats and sleeves. So... Um, and we'll move on to the meat. Yes, the, then... the meat and potatoes of the podcast. The um, meat the potatoes, the beer, the the, the steamed broccoli, the um <laughs> of the yeah. gravy. Yeah. Um so we've now got fairy knight Injunar. In Injunar. Yeah. Um it's an earth rank six plant. It requires three level six monsters. And it reads, once per turn, you can detach two materials from this card, return all other cards on the field to the hand, and your opponent cannot activate cards or effects in response to this effect. 
Um, it's good. Um, if you have a deck that can um, get three level six monsters out, even if it's not like common, if you know it can happen from time to time, it would be worth, worth running this uh, when and if you know, we ever get what it. What I'm thinking of might be not what other people are thinking of, but I'm thinking of Aromage. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be a good place. Also, it's a you plant, get, so it synergizes. And it's a cheap deck, too. You don't gotta, like, empty out your wallet. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking you get three Aromage Bergamots out, you wipe the field, you put your Aromage Gardens and all of your spells and traps. Exactly, you just put them all back, yeah. destroy your opponent. And that also that's, helps... That's my thought. That also helps if you say... Uh, at that point in the duel. The aren't currently limited. They aren't, are they? No, no. None of the Aramage cards are. Um, yeah. yeah. So that also is good, say, like... Because I've noticed when I've played Aramages, at certain points in the duel, I'll realise that, like, because either because of the deck I'm going against or just because of, like, the resources my opponent has left, the trap card that destroys cards... Um, I don't remember its name, but... I'm sure you know the one. It has, like, orange artwork or whatever. Um, there's, there's several. There's Trap Jammer. No, no, no. The Aramage Trap card with the orange artwork, and it's, like, when you gain life oh, points, dried, you destroy a card. Um, you mean Dried Winds. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that's the one. Um, I just don't remember the names. I remember the artworks better um, for some decks. Um, and anyway... There's certain points in the duel where I find that that card has, like, less value than it did at a different point. And so if you summon this and you get it back to the hand, that leaves you an extra spell or trap zone for a different card that could give you more value. So that's... that's. But um, the main deck that I think people look at this card and um, are thinking of are Thunder Dragons. Uh, because... Oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. and they can very easily get out multiple Thunder Dragons, so it's probably more likely... In general... Sorry? In general, these, in general, these are both um, decks that you can build right from the card trader. Yeah, oh, to, like... Thunder Dragons are, a, like, to build them properly are, uh, are a little bit more expensive because you would ideally want the... Um, the Thunder Dragon... There's two Thunder Dragon cards that come from uh, boxes that mm. are recommended to be played. And one of them's in a UR, but I would imagine a lot of people would have that one because it's in the same boxes um, where um, Alistair came from. Yeah. And a lot of people went oh. into there. So... <laughs> so it, well, the thing is, what I'm saying is that for there are a lot of free-to-play players who understandably would like Kalmani to not own <laughs> yeah. their yeah, so their wallets. It would be possible so to do that, yeah. To have those like budget decks. That's true. Um, I, I just I just more meant like if you're gonna kind of starting out. I, I more meant like Arrow Mages is much more free to play friendly because you can do it um you can play it completely optimally all Plus completely for free. You get when you just keep getting life points. I mean, I personally, I think it's like a very well self-love type deck. Like, yes, you know, 
get a thousand <laughs> life points each time. Yes, sweetie, here you go. Well, yes, honey, we want to see you grow. I, d- you know? I, I don't know if you've go tried it. Sweetheart. I don't know. Like, if that's you... like the way I feel when I play it. I'm like, yeah. hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if your mom built you a deck and it's like, okay, make sure you don't forget your lunch. Yeah. Make sure that you play nice with the kids. It's like you, you, um. Beat them into dust. When you, that's when you have the continuous spell and you normal summon a monster and the spell goes, hey, here's a 3,000 life points. Just like make sure you don't Just forget it. Thanks, and then your card is like, oh, I've been, me. I've been nourished by this support. <laughs> and I get to draw a card now but um you just feel like the self-love like with some of these decks like the more like vampiric I call them vampiric decks and there are some vampiric decks that are literally vampire decks but like there's some that you, you play and you just feel like oh like you're in the anime and the life points <laughs> are draining from you and you're like fuck why do I even play this deck well, I'm always at like a LP 100 at the end but like he is... at the end, you're like, oh man, I, I, my soul is revitalized and watered like these plants. So the last Xyz card leaked is number 14, Greedy Saramiya. And again, this is a number monster. And because the number monsters are related to the plot line in the anime, it's likely that this is related heavily with like an anime themed event. Um, it requires just two level five monsters. It says your opponent takes any effect damage you would have taken uh, from their cards instead. So that's cool um, for like not losing to burn decks and stuff. Um, then, but funnily enough, like not that I think it will ever come up, but if you for some reason have this card and your opponent has already summoned Love Golem to your field you will still take Lava Golem's damage. Because even though it's your opponent's Lava Golem, it's technically a card you control. So it's technically your card effect doing damage to you. But that's that's a specific niche um, case. Uh, the rest of its effect is, when this card destroys an opponent's monster by battle and sends it to the graveyard, you can detach one material from this card, destroy all monsters on the field whose current attack is less than or equal to the original attack of the destroyed monster. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. I think it's arguably the best one here just because it only needs two level fives. So. It's the most summonable. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have a bad effect because there are definitely summonable um, Xyz monsters that are just... You look at it and you go, I can very easily make this. But why would I? <laughs> Let's be real. They're like... They're filler garbage. A, like, a lot of the... Let's just be honest. In the TCG, a lot of the early released Xyz cards were filler. Um, there were very yeah. few good ones. Um, so we've got uh, a couple of leaked skills. Um, Does it say what uh, the characters are? Um, it doesn't, but I think we can guess based off of what the skills do. Um, okay. Let's play a game. Let's see if you can guess. Um, because I feel All like... Right, I'm ready. Yeah. So the first one is called Gagaga Academy Extracurricular Activities. Hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, um, hmm. uh, humor. Uh, the second um, one requires a tiny bit more thinking, but, you know. Um, so this one is... I think I've got the brain cells. 
Um, this one reads, if, if your life points are 4,000 or less, at the start of your turn, summon from outside your deck either Gaga Gar Magician or Gaga Gar Girl. You can only use this skill once per t- duel. Now, uh... it sounds really good. So my prediction is, is this is like um, similar to, you know how um, uh, Hasselberry... That's also a Yuma. Sorry? That's also a Yuma skill, right? Yeah, no, it's definitely a Yuma skill. But I was going to say, you know how um, Hasselberry in one of the events had a skill that like you can't have, like it's an AI exclusive skill. Um, I don't remember what it does though, but I remember that being in the event. I think this skill is almost definitely one of those because it has no downside. You can activate it from... Oh, you mean like for like a tag duel event? Yeah, like a tag duel or some sort of other event um, involving Yuma because like I just, like you can just get a free monster and it's not just, it's not even added to your hand, it's just summoned to the field and like Gaga Magician can just be any level. So like you can do that with any deck. There's, like, no restriction. So I think it is, like, an event-based skill just because it's, like... It, it seems too good to be true, is my we reasoning. We have a tag duel going on right now. Yeah. So I would check that out before we get to Oh, it's, and, it's, um... it's definitely not in the um, tag duel. Because um, they've noted here okay, that it's... So it's kind yeah. of more future. Well, it seems pretty clear so far from mm. the skills and cards that you brought off that um they're gonna be having something vexel oh yeah soon. So, so what what's the last skill so the second skill is silent descent uh and so i don't think you could probably guess who it is for based on the name alone so i'll read out the skill and let you guess then but i'm sure you'll okay. get it as well if your life points are four thousand or less at the start of your turn summon one silent magician from outside your deck you can only use this skill once per duel. Yugi Moto, yeah. is it going to be DSOD, uh, or is it going to be DM? Or is it going to be Yami? Or is it going to be... Um, uh, well, Silent Magician, they've, they've solidly kept more to be a Yugi True, true. What if they release the, um, the um, Yugi GX version, which is... Um, the he, back of his head. <laughs> well, it's 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 not it's not canon whether it's Yugi Moto or or Yami, um because like oh, yeah, because well, it looks like Yami well, and it sounds like Yami but Yami well like spoilers, spoilers alert but like Yami spoilers, doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> probably gonna be Yugi. But, but yeah, DSOD um DSOD does take place after like canon canonically storyline wise after. Yugi's sighting in the start of GX. So like it's a different Yugi. The rest of the um the rest of the news is just um uh a bunch of mats and sleeves. Uh they're all tag duel ones, so it it's more than likely ones we're getting in this current event. Um you know, they're just the the same sort of design all the most of the other tag duels have been where it's like the grayscale and whatever, but yeah. That's that's all of the all of the news. Thank you, news. Uh, thank you, news. <laughs> I said thank you, news. Thank you. 
So, um, so what's up next? I'm very curious. Um, Do I need a prompt you? Do you need a prompt? Is this too much pressure? Am I am I being a nuisance? Am I supposed to say attention duelists again here? Is that what we're doing? (laughs) I mean, it's we're halfway through the podcast. I don't know. Don't I think they're already at attention. Okay, so well, you're gonna edit all that out then. Um. All right, we can finally start. Next, (laughs) and that was just a run through. No, I'm kidding. Um, so next we're gonna talk about some of the meat and potatoes of after the news is is now done. Um, some of the, one of the subjects we'd like to open up with. As, well, the uh, one. Uh, draw skill. What is it? Draw skill. Draw sense podcast. Draw, draw sense podcast. I don't even know the name of my own damn podcast. We can just we we can just edit that out, but we won't edit out me saying. We can just edit it out. So now they have no idea what we edited out. Uh, but oh God, you know that's fine. Confuse people. I'm not confusing. It's just you know they'll have to live with the fact that they don't know what we edited out. Anyway, what are we going to be talking anyway. about now on the Draw Sense podcast? So next, what we'd like to bring up is um, we want to talk sort of about dual links, like as a foundational. In general, how Duel Links um, has changed the card game um, since its inception and has also changed how the game is played in general. Now, I'm speaking for myself, I'm speaking from my experience. um, HR Forges is going to speak from theirs from a different point of view, but for me, I've noticed um, specifically a couple of things since. Um, dual links have become a thing and really sort of taken, I guess, the dueling world by storm. Um, so, like the the, the sorry, just 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 to clarify for my own sake, so I can follow along, because um, I am I I need help at times. Um, so to, uh, awesome, samezies. Um, <laughs> you're speaking from the point of view of your your main experience of Yu-Gi-Oh in terms of playing Yu-Gi-Oh is through Duel Links. And so from your perspective, how things have changed from the beginning of Duel Links to now. Yes, so in the cool. past four years, basically, is mm-hmm. my, the perspective I bring. Since 2016, when the game dropped. Um, oh, gosh, it's been over four years, 2021. Eh? So um, I remember it was fall... 2016, and I was just kind of finishing up college, and I was also just really getting into Yu-Gi-Oh! as like an anime and a manga and like a fandom, and um, I remember hearing about, oh, they're going to like make it a virtual game, was super excited, because I felt I had by that point really missed the boat with the card game, and I'm like, you know, the meme where it's like, I don't really know how to play this game, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. So this was kind of a second chance for me to really fully immerse myself in the fandom, um, not just from, like, the show and the characters, which are, you know, entertaining in and of themselves, and even, you know, other um, media associated, such as the Abridged series, which many viewers might also be familiar with as well, her little Karibo. Um, so for me, um, 
when it did finally become a thing. I was super excited. And they started out the same way that they did with the game is the, the, the linear milestones. You start out with DM, start out with very basic summoning tactics. Um, what was great for me as a newish player, I mean, I tried playing the card game, but it's, you know, got the in real life clunkiness that you don't have when you play a virtual game. And it's really hard for intro players. Um, for me, it was really great to become familiar firsthand with some cards, you know, I'd obviously seen in the anime, but also cards I had, like, never heard of outside of the anime, or, like, cards that I might have gotten from in real life paths that I kind of was like, oh, this wasn't by the art, for example, just judging and not reading the effects. As well. It wasn't me, I didn't do it. <laughs> no, it's just, I live near Main Street. Yeah, no, you're That's fine, fine. you're fine. For me, kind of sequentially going through the different summoning tactics, and at first I had been really intimidated by having been only really familiar with DM um, as a series and as like a card game. Um, before I had tried like XY, XYZ or XYZ summoning, I had tried Synchro summoning, Link summoning, Pendulum summoning, and a lot of them were really difficult for me to do in real life, but as the game has progressed, I found I can kind of see the logic of Konami, like, okay, so, like, now we're gonna get rid of the needing a spell card in every deck to summon, like, fusion to, um, synchro. Oh, okay, now with FCs, we're gonna get rid of needing a tuner in every deck, you just gotta stack your extra deck. Okay, like, you know, sort of seeing, like, okay, I see how they're trying to make it simpler, but they're also, additionally, focusing more on getting everybody on board with that summoning tactic, getting them all up to date with the summoning tactic, and um, also incentivizing the summoning tactics, like we see with, like, the duelist bingo, um, like, hey, you've got to do one XYZ summon in order to get your bingo card full, you know, things like that. Like, they're actually really making an effort, and I, I think that's changed um, the way that the game is played for new... Um, players in the game because it kind of really helps them to get up to speed like I really feel of in the past four years I've improved a lot as a player um, because of dual links because I've had the chance to really um, do first of all do a lot of dueling in that time as opposed like the quicker duels um, have really helped me to kind of get my you know 10,000 hours in and also um, the ability to have everything put almost in a more tutorial-like setting as opposed to in, in real life. You, you either know or you don't, and if you forget to activate your trap card, fuck you. You know, it's very different. So um, I, I feel like that's been positive for me. I mean, of course, we can all talk all day about everything negative, but... Um, I think it's important to look at the positive as well and look at how things have progressed over the years. That's my perspective. So would you say that it's easier to learn the new mechanics with how Duel Links not only introduces them, but also familiarizes you with the mechanics that you've never been introduced to before? Like, like for example... Yeah, well, but, like, not just that, but, like... 
you're you've been playing Duel Links from the start, and then over time, you know, it changes, and but you've you've gone from being used to how it has been to to now being introduced a whole new thing. Um, and in some cases, it's like okay, we're going from just like whoever has the bigger, like summonable monster, like you know, like whoever whoever drew Axe Raider one type of situation, or somehow summoned a Blue Eyes or whatever. To all right, now we're like doing some fusion summoning and having a bit more uh, back and forth interaction with effects, and then going into the fusion summons. That was a bit of like a bigger bigger jump versus beforehand and then going from fusion to synchro that's an even bigger jump in like the learning curve and then synchro to exceed even bigger do you feel that the way dual links has handled introducing these new things and teaching them and incentivizing people to learn them do you think it's been uh effective for you and do you think it's um better than um, what you probably could have expected? I think the best way to put it is not so much better or worse, but I would say um, less time-consuming. It's more efficient. Um, And again, like I said, I I feel like I've learned in four years of consecutive years pretty consistently playing um, with only like a few breaks in between where you know life that things happen it's just life um as an adult in today's world um with very few breaks in between pretty consistently at least playing a little bit every day um i i felt that that is pretty equivalent to if i had played in real life at least twice that amount of time because there's so many other things that come into play with in real life that just take up so much more time. Okay. I mean, we also, as a tangent, we've seen speed duels come about because of dual length, however successful they may or may not be, but they do exist. Well... Because I do feel like the... While it's great to have the full deck, you know, of 30 to 50 cards and the full five monsters lost the full five to six i mean five including field spell um ill trap card slots etc um i think that while you have more options and you can have more stuff you can do the fact is um when you have a limiting of having only three copies of a card per deck um and how many like statistically frequently you can draw certain cards when you have your deck limited to closer to 25 you have three spots and everything it makes you more likely to have a quicker duel because you're more likely to pull certain cards and with Um, the half-life points as well with the half-life points the back to the you know old dm standard you know it really kind of instead of having these like hour-long duels or half-hour-long duels we can now have like a two three minute duel and well, you know, even in PvP, maybe maybe it'll be like a 10-15 minute duel depending on your connection, and depending on if you surrender or not. You know, who knows? All right, um, it's always a just just um so like from my perspective, right? Um, the like so I've been playing the game since like 
uh, like the card game. Yeah, yeah, like Yu-Gi-Oh in general. Um, pretty much since I can remember. Uh, and so, like, for all intents and purposes, all of my life, as far as my memory goes. Um, and so, for me, it was due to the fact that I was so heavily invested in just knowing as much as I can and just having this internal need to knowing as much as I can I sought out learning things as they came more than the average person however I will say that when it comes to say because I didn't play in like local tournaments or anything like that until like I mostly just like collected the cards and played like the official video games that came out and whatever until I'm gonna have to look it up now but the the TCG set was Duelist Alliance um Duelist Alliance sorry um which I started playing the game about maybe a month at most at tournaments before this set came out but this is like the most memorable to me because it was the first set to have pendulum monsters in it now i was at this point knee deep in like forums and like talking with people and such and a lot of the it 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 was very easy to learn the new mechanic and the same goes for links as well when that came up but that's not um important for dual links discussions but um in general because that's way way off like pendulums are like way off but not like way 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 off like like we may never get links but that's not the point um for me with these new mechanics i was able to talk with people with better access to knowledge maybe they were official judges or they were friends with judges or they um, had even more time um, to waste, uh, I mean spend, um, on on knowing everything about Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, yeah. And were better explaining it to me than, say, the rulebook would be. The rulebooks are great. Um, they actually have been better now than ever. They explain a lot of things that used to just have to be, like, explained by a judge, and then you just had to take their word for it, even though it wasn't in the rulebook, but that's beside the point um but rule books are very they're very um formulaic in how they describe things and some people sometimes just need the description of things to be slightly uh shifted for it to make perfect sense yeah. and some people are just really good at explaining these new things in simpler terms and uh so for me it took like no time at all to learn the new things in fact when i um i took a bit of a break from even collecting cards and i was only playing like some of the Game Boy Advance games, so I wasn't, and like I think uh, one or two of the DS games. So like I had not really touched any of the Xyz stuff, right? And when I got back into collecting, there were Xyz cards in the packs that I was pulling uh, from, and I'm like, "Huh, what's this all about?" And uh, again, uh, I had the right people in and around me, where it didn't take me long at all to figure it out. And in fact, one of the things that took me longer to figure out is how the ghost trick monsters work. And I know we have a few in Duel Links. And I was like, wait, it says it can't be normal summoned unless you have a ghost trick face up already. I'm like, well, 
and I was looking at the cards and I'm like, I'm going to Google to see what other ghost trick cards are because maybe there's a way to special summon them. And there was no obvious way how to like play the deck. And I'm like, this is really weird. And then eventually I figured out, oh, you can just set them. It doesn't say you can't set them because my brain was like looking at it like, oh, you know how there's like a lot of like cards that say this card cannot be normal summoned slash set and then it has a specific way it has to be summoned. My brain was just inserting that because it was used to that. And so it actually took yeah, me longer. Very literal. Very yeah. literal with the... And, you know, um, actually feeding into what you're saying, I should mention part of also why I have learned is I do feel I had um, someone there helping me out. That someone is HR4Gs. Mm-hmm. Um, helping me at certain points where I felt I hit a wall with my learning of how to play the game and there would be times like when a new summoning mechanic came out that even with konami really going through the steps i'd I'd hit up um forges and i'd be like hey um so like i'm really not getting the synchro summoning thing can we like you know duel and maybe you can kind of just sort of tutorially show me while we're on a call how this works until like it kind of clicks um, for me, I didn't really get synchro summoning until I played Fortune Ladies, which is a deck, one of my one of my favorite decks from Five Bs, um, because it was just something I don't know. It was really hard for me to grasp the whole tuner monster thing and getting the tuner monster on the field with another one. Special summoning in general was a, still a little shaky for me. Um, once I really got in the handle of playing Fortune Ladies. Um, then I then I finally kind of really grasped synchro summoning because from my perspective as a new player, watching other people in PvP synchro summoning felt like they were just like fucking cheating and like just fucking throwing monsters on whenever they felt like it. And I'm like, what the fuck? We only get one normal summon. I don't see you have double summon on the field. So what are you doing? Then like when I played it, I'm like, okay, I get it. I see like how you can do this, I see how you can build a deck like this. So I, I think perhaps it's important to mention that whether you're playing in real life or, you know, virtually via dual links or other um, either unofficial or like virtual games um, that play the card game, um, I think it's also good to have like, you know, community you know, where you feel you can kind of safely ask without just people being like, ha-ha, loser, you know, which is so common. I think, yeah. Um, Somebody who's actually genuinely wants to kind of help you and genuinely wants to impart their knowledge and genuinely see another player kind of love the game like they do. I think also um, another thing is is being open to to learning. I see some people are very, um, they become very... uh, not anti-learning, but they're very like, well, I'm I'm going to say I don't get this and not take in the information you're going to give me because I'd rather... I think that's, that's a problem in general with yeah, people, but, but like you, Yu-Gi-Oh specific, yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh specific, like it's very much um, always when it comes to things that in Yu-Gi-Oh, there is a certain subsection of players who, when they encounter something they don't understand, instead of asking, 
why is this the way it is? Can can I get an explanation of how this works? They instead would prefer to not seek that information and only complain that Konami is ruining the game. And those people tend to be, like you said, stuck in their ways, but also they're unwilling to learn because they found a point in the gameplay of Yu-Gi-Oh that they enjoyed the most. And with the addition of whatever is new that they are not able to understand due to a lack of, of information on the topic, they are not enjoying it. And they're like, well, I like enjoying this game, so get rid of this new thing and let me play what I enjoy. And that's all fine and dandy, but Konami's going to keep going. They're going to keep continuing and it's going to keep going in the direction that it's going in and there will be With changes here you. and there. And yeah, it's, it's, it's your choice whether or not you keep up or not. And that's up to you. But that, yeah. that's, that's a specific mindset. If you're someone who's like struggling to, to pick up on the new things or or there is something you don't understand, like maybe there's a card interaction where like it doesn't make sense. Learning. Yeah, just be open to learning and, and, and just ask the question in, in a safe, not even safe environment, just like in an environment where you know people are going to answer. So like I know some good places are, there's a, oh, I, I can't remember the exact name, but there's a... There's a Reddit specifically for Yu-Gi-Oh! questions. Um, and the main Yu-Gi-Oh! Reddit also gets a lot of questions as well. And I think even the Duel Links one tends to get um, some. And all of them tend to end up with a good answer in there. Or even just a answer in there. They're not um, really that hostile. Um, and then... Not compared to the Facebook groups. Anyway. Yeah, I, I just I would avoid the Facebook groups. Um, Only go in like there if for... you want to like shit talk. Yeah. Don't even try to go there looking for advice. I know you want. If to. you're gonna ask I've questions, if you're gonna ask questions in any of the Facebook groups, limit them to things that aren't de- divisive. And if you want to figure out what is divisive, um, just scroll through that group for a bit and figure out what that group hates uh it's usually everything but you'll figure it out um and just stay away from those topics they just want to have something to laugh at let's be real they just want a meme and if it's not a meme or if it's not something or someone they can laugh at oh but there are not a good place for new players the facebook groups you're genuinely looking for information the facebook group ain't it yeah, the Facebook groups tend to have a lot of those types of players I talked about earlier that don't want to learn. They actively choose not to be open to learning and they just go, oh, Blue Eyes is good now? No, Konami, please do something about Blue Eyes. It's annoying. But in reality, it's like... Konami nerfed my deck. Oh, yeah. That's like half of the posts. Yeah. And the other half is people laughing at them, like, get ripped. Well, it's more that's, like, the responses to those posts, but, like, the other half of the posts are more, like, um, instead of complaining about their deck being hit, it's more about uh, complaining about decks that they think should be hit. (laughs) Um, That they're like, oh, 
I'm so annoyed. This deck is too good. And like, sometimes they're right, but like at the same time, you complaining on a Facebook group is not going to help that at all. Um, you're better off tweeting at Konami, even though that would do literally nothing. That does steal more than complaining in a random Facebook group. But suffice yeah. it to say, if you're actually looking to get better, find people, find places where you can see people asking questions and getting genuine answers from. Like I said, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure there's like an actual um, Q&A type of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh subreddit. That's a really good place. Um, and then if you find, like, there are a, a bunch of forums out there too that have um, dedicated, like, Yu-Gi-Oh groups on them. Um, I know one of them is Pojo. And honestly, if you if you want to learn something, uh, a really good resource is Google and YouTube. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So one last thing. I, I want to kind of end this topic with uh in real life story from my okay you know, experience so uh about a year or so ago you know before the pandemic kind of took over our lives um i remember having a conversation with a former co-worker who was also a video card player and we were both pretty excited to learn like hey you know like, we both play the game, it's awesome, we should duel sometime, right? So, um, I remember asking him about, you know, what's your favorite deck? Um, what's your favorite deck, and what do you play, and whatever. By the way, my AirPods are, like, dying, so we might have to wrap this up soon. You're all good. Um, so, I, and he was like, oh, I really love playing, um, Neos. Um, or I think it was Neos, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, yes, good deck. Um, and I was like, oh, my favorite's Fortune Ladies, because at the time I was really getting into Fortune Ladies, and he's like, what's Fortune Ladies? I'm like, oh, you know, it's like a synchro deck, and you can synchro summon, and he's like, oh, you know, I, I never get into that synchro summoning. I, I stopped watching the show after GF, and I was just kind of like, you're kind of missing out. I mean... We all have our favorite series, but I think in terms of playing the game, if you completely disregard a entire summoning tactic, you're going to miss out on a whole section of the game. And I, I kind of, I don't think I really got into it like that with him because we were at work. But like the feeling I got when he said that was, it just kind of felt like he'd already dismissed it. He didn't want to learn. He immediately felt like everything else was inferior to DM and GF. And I'm a steadfast DM lover. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I love watching the original series. I love, and, you know, they put out, like, new blue eyes stuff and dark magician stuff. I wish there was more red eyes, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I eat it up. I can't help it. But at the same time, I also really love learning new storylines, learning about new characters from new shows and i don't think they should be totally discredited just because you didn't grow up with them and plus um, just because you know times have moved on from them plus uh a lot of those like older cards like you know the blue eyes and dark okay, magician whatever the, you're fine okay yeah so my airpods just died so you're all good well this audio is gonna go that's fine we can wrap it up in a second um i was just gonna say that like 
blue eyes red eyes dark magician there um and a lot of other stuff they end up getting like support in the forms of these new summoning mechanics so like uh blue eyes has a couple of synchro um, monsters um dark magician has uh an exes monster um mm-hmm. Technically, oh, Dark... Red, Eyes ha- Red Eyes has Xyz too. Yeah. I know I've used them in real life. Yeah, Red Eyes has an Xyz monster as well. But then also, like, they have um, other stuff that is also older. So it's like, oh, new main deck monsters that are in the theme or new fusions, which they all were doing um, back in the day as well. And so, like, mm. there is something for everyone. But at the same time, if your if your mentality is... I I did not have I do not have an attachment with this new thing therefore I'm not going to try it. Um, that's how you stop forming attachments to new things altogether. And, and I'm just going to say yourself up. that. Sorry. You're fine. I'm just going to say that as the outside observer to somebody saying that to me, um, that I felt when that person said it that they were in fact kind of first of all dating themselves and kind of actually putting themselves in like a more older like in, like you actual know, boomer only... mindset yeah it's almost boomery and it's also kind of saying that you're really discrediting like younger players and trying to have any creativity with the game and the thing is is the reason that the game has stuck around for so long is because it's continuously evolving you know, any good game will evolve over time and improve itself over time. So I feel like you're you're um, discrediting all of that, and it, it really does. It's not a good look, is what I'm saying. It was not a good look, and I basically what it resulted in is I didn't bring up Yu-Gi-Oh again with that coworker. Yeah, I felt well, like, it was oh, a negative like, experience. I, it was negative, and I felt like oh, this is not somebody who's interested in. Like, they only want to clearly talk about, like, older stuff, which in some cases has honestly been beaten to death. Um, and they are not interested in any of the new meta. I Clearly, they don't want to use dual links, because that was their response to my talking about, like, oh, yeah, I found Fortune Ladies by playing dual links. Ugh, I don't want to deal with all that. Like, okay, well, you know, I guess we're not going to duel then, you know, because... That would require, if I was going to duel that person in real life, I would have to limit my deck to, like, fusion summoning only. And I think the one of the... Got to wrap it up. I think another way to look at it as we wrap up um, today's podcast is um, a lot of people who are today playing Duel Links are pretty much past that point. uh, Because you have to be to be competitive. Um, I'm pretty much past that point of, you know, I only use X, Y, and Z. I, actually, I should say A, B, and C. Because <laughs> <laughs> X is, is its own summoning. I only use, like, up to this type of summoning. Because after a certain point, um, you just, like I said, you're just not going to be competitive. And you're also just really limiting your experience in the game. Um, you're really limiting what amount you can level up to, what um, what you can, what cards you can use and be comfortable with. 
Um, and the way that the game is set up, I think it's great for like even like, for example, right now um, I'm leveling up. Um, who's that guy in 5Ds that plays Blacklings? Crow. Yeah, I'm leveling up Crow, and I'm getting familiar with Blacklings and. You know, at first I was like, oh, Blacklings, but as you play it yourself, you're like, oh, okay, I see how this deck works. You get more familiar as you play the deck yourself, and then that way when you play somebody else playing that deck, you're like, okay, I played this deck, I know exactly what they're going to do, I can more likely predict their move and counteract. that's exactly what the pro players do. They They don't just learn their own deck, they learn the other decks being played. Because then they know how to beat them. Exactly. That's how you get competitive. Because you're not just saying, oh, I hate this deck. I never want to see it again. That's just, that's almost like childish, you know. But if you say, oh, I hate this deck. I want it. I want to learn all about it. So that way I can play it. So that way I can play other people who play it so I can beat it. Like that's truly, I think, what good Yu-Gi-Oh playing is about. Is about you come across a deck. You don't get it, you learn it, you maybe even fall in love with it, you play other people who have it, and then that's when the fun really begins, you know? Well, just to add to that, as as a as a uh, part of wrapping it, uh, this episode up, I, I personally feel like the goal of this podcast, the first goal of this podcast, um, for me... You can have your own goals. I, I don't care. But for me personally, okay. one of my goals will be to, over the course of the time of running this podcast, to get you to the point where you can uh, get to King, King of Games. Because as far as I'm aware, you haven't gotten there before. I haven't. It will be my first time. Yes. So, so I haven't gotten past gold because I, admittedly, I am more focused on i'm very much like a collector type when i play games i i very much like to get all the prismatics i like to beat all the events get all the titles yeah, you're, i'm very you're, much a perfectionist player you're I've much less of a competitor and more of a collector yeah and so like i every single character i have including from events is like at least past level 30 if not maxed out all of the um, worlds, I, I think DM I have at 60, most of the other ones I'm almost at 30. Like, I'm very much that way when I play the game. Um, so PvP hasn't really been my focus. Um, it's kind of been more like at least, you know, getting like certain achievements, because that's how I play games in general. So mm-hmm. for me to be able to get the PvP one, which is not my strong suit, would be would be pretty cool so you yeah. can join me on that journey and you know? and if i remember correctly and i haven't gotten it yet but there's a like icon that you can get by getting king of games 10 times so like that's oh, like right. a incentive as well <laughs> but um oh, so for you to get king of games 10 times too oh yeah but i mean i'm not so i'm a collector in the way that i want to i don't miss new cards from events uh, because I'm the type of Me person either. who uh, I like to have the option to play it, even if I don't see any value in it, like from a competitive standpoint, I still want to have the option to mess around with it and have fun. But mm-hmm. I have very few 
characters that are maxed out. I have very few characters that are, are level thirty or higher. I, I think that like half I just of play my characters at least from DM or max. Yeah. So like I play the game totally differently. Most of what I do when I play is PvP um, and grind events for because like events are usually like free experience in the sense that they don't a lot of events don't cost um stamina um or not stamina the the dual orbs right and so because because they don't uh cost dual orbs they're basically free experience and rewards and whilst you're only getting like one gem every like 11th duel or whatever whatever the odds are um even so if you if you spam it enough you rack up a few gems here and there but like for me it's more just like um i do that as a multitask while doing something else like auto dueling but i don't do that for like leveling up unless there's a card i want from a reward or a skill that i want right or if i'm just trying to get more gems so um we have different goals but at the end of the day i feel like um a nice little challenge that we can set ourselves is to get you to king of games because I reckon yeah. you could do it um, with the appropriate like training and 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 education. I reckon you could. Yeah, 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 and um, it'd be cool. You know, I mean, for me, a long term goal would be to like. I don't think this will happen in like the future, but like <laughs> to eventually like just be like in an, a, in an event. You know, like you know where they have like the um, Casey tournament. One day. Oh, to make it to make it to to worlds. But I yeah, to make it to worlds. But that's not real. Um, I agree. Do you want to know how? Do you want to know how you qualify for them in any region, not just like the big regions, like like where you are, like in any of the regions? Do you want to know how you qualify? Um, you have to no life the game for four days straight. You have to what? No life the game for four days straight. Oh yeah. Yeah, like well, literally, like like run on days. no sleep, no, no. But like this is like, and to the point where you can no life it for four days and miss out by like ten points, and because only one person from each region qualifies, it's like it doesn't matter if you come second because you might as well be last. Like it's really brutal <laughs> with how they currently have it set up. Hopefully, in the future, I do hope in the future that Konami runs either lower tier events that aren't trying to get to worlds um or something else that is like equivalent but more attainable because like um we've seen that a little bit with them doing like uh remote duels for like the physical card game um so hopefully like they like do something where it's like there is another um like level of achievement you can like aim for that is like higher than king of games but like not worlds because like king of games is like attainable but once you've attained it it's like well i haven't got anything next because worlds is like basically out of reach so a then i should say a more realistic goal (laughs) for me i don't know if it's really for me personally because i kind of really view us as like a duo that's fine um I'll take I mean, on your I'll friends. take on your challenge. We've been friends for a while now, years. I would even say, oh my god, it's been years. It is plural. Um, yes, you can put an I mean, a, 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 an S on the end of the word year. Yes. 
Yeah, wow, Jesus. Um, so we've been friends for a while, and I so I, I view it as like a shared goal that I, I just hope that our podcast can kind of help people who are once in my position, um, who really felt very intimidated by the card game. They want to join, but, you know, the community shit. Like, let's be real. Um, and part of the game is shit-talking. It's just the way it is. But, um... You know, I feel that it would be ideal to kind of make it a little more, I should say a little less hostile for new players and to kind of feel like they've got a good foundation for, um, a good foundation for kind of moving forward and joining the game. And who knows, you might be the next person in Worlds, like, you know, I mean be a Joey Wheeler, like, learn to game in three days and fuck shit up, right? So, I mean, I, I really feel that making the game more accessible is one of, a little bit of a challenge. I think, I, I think it's a good goal, because, like, the more people, like, I, I genuinely enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh! in a lot of different facets, and I would like it if the barrier barrier to entry was lower because it would be great if more people could find enjoyment in it and i'd like it to be less old fucks and i'd like it to be like a little more a little more new fucks yeah because we don't say the f word um anymore since like 2007 oh like Um, like new oh wait that's a c word oops oops well you're australian so it's okay but like, I can't say it, or else we'll get like a. It's oh, it's it's been beeped out or something. Or yeah, we'll do it in post. But like, um, I think that I would just ideally like to, I guess, with this podcast, create like a more positive community. You know, not I'm not necessarily looking for like a totally PC community. You know what we're trying to do? Um, but like, you know, if... like a positive one where you can like actually learn and not be like, haha, get good. If if you know? if Yu-Gi-Oh was a pH scale, it's currently very acidic, right? Yeah. We it's aren't kind of... we aren't looking to make it a, a, a um a, a base. We're not trying to make it a base. We're just trying to bring it about water level. You know. <laughs> Yeah, we're just, you know, trying we're to make it new, new, neutral. Neutral, yeah. Around about water, like, you know, a little bit above neutral would be ideal, but we can aim for neutral because lowering our expectations is valuable to our mental health. And already also, let's be real, like, as a non-binary assigned female birth person who's doing a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, I already know this is going to be a long shot, you know? So, like... We'll see how this goes. But, I mean, I think that hopefully changing the demographic a little bit to be, like, slightly more diverse and slightly less, like, age-locked and gender-locked. Just being less um, xenophobic of of people other than the current status quo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be that would be the ideal goal for me anyway, um, and for us for the for this podcast. So we'll see. Time will tell. Anyway, thank you for joining us at um, it's called Draw Skill, right? Draw Sense. 
thank you for joining us at Draw Sense Podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. Bye. You can say bye, too. I could. Wait, I thought I hit stop.